you have your Bible with you today, and I hope you do, please turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be studying a passage that we introduced last week, which details how to exalt Christ above all in our vocation and in our workplaces. And I call all of you back to that great purpose this morning as followers of Jesus Christ. We who have been set free and redeemed by Jesus, our ambition should be that whatever we do, in word or deed, we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything we do as believers ought to be an act of worship to Christ our King. And that includes our work. See, we don't compartmentalize our lives as believers. Christ is Lord over all. And therefore, we strive to reflect that in everything we do, and that includes our work. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, over one-third of our lives will be spent working. And then when you consider housework and parenting, which absolutely should be counted, that creeps up to close to two-thirds of your life. When it comes to the worship of Jesus Christ, this is an area of our lives that we should not overlook. Work is an important part of our lives, and it's supposed to be. We saw last week, God, ever since the garden, designed us to work and to accomplish much for His glory. It is part of our design as humanity and is part of our destiny, as we will spend all creation doing all these different activities for the glory of God. Work is good. Work is good. But ever since the fall, in a fallen and twisted world, work has become fallen and twisted in many ways as well. And that's the reality that we are confronted with here in this passage in Colossians chapter 3 as Paul writes to a body of believers who find themselves living in the midst of a culture that protects and endorses the most dehumanizing form of work imaginable, slavery. In fact, at the time this letter was written, over two-thirds of the individuals living in Colossae would have been slaves. And we examined this topic at length last week. The Bible clearly and carefully states that slavery is wrong on the basis of creation, on the basis of Christ, and on the basis of biblical commands. If you missed that message, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It provides some very important context to this passage and message. But in short, the only type of labor and work permitted according to God's righteous standard is voluntary, paid, and temporary. Now that's all fine and good. The only problem is we as believers don't live in a perfect world. We live in a fallen and a twisted one. And we live in a world that rejects God's righteous standards all the time, even when it comes to labor and to work. So the real question is, how are we as Christians supposed to live as followers of Christ in a world that increasingly rejects the righteous standards of God even when it comes to the workplace? How do we navigate a twisted, a twisted workplace culture for the glory of God? And that's what we're going to see this morning is that we are to do so, as verse 17 says, by doing everything at work in the name of the Lord Jesus whether we be those who are under others, as described in verse 22 and 25, through 25 in chapter 3, or whether we be those who are over others, as described in verse 1 of chapter 4. We are to do everything in our work as for the Lord Jesus Christ Himself and with Him in mind above all else. So with that in mind, let's read Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 18 for context, on into chapter 4, verse 1. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit these words for us today. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. 
Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This is the Word of God, whose law we love with all our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we bow before You at this time. We simply ask that You would teach us Your Word. Pray, Father, that as Your Word is given, as it is applied to our lives today, Pray that we would hear our Savior's voice and follow Him. May Your Spirit be at work at this time so that we might be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Help us, Father, to understand Your truth so that we might be able to walk in light of it for this coming week. And most of all, Father, I pray that as we hear Your Word, Your grace would be at work to change our hearts and minds and to empower us to live for Your glory this week. Let these moments count for eternity as You work in and among Your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So after Paul shows us what it looks like to exalt Christ in our marriages and in our families, he then proceeds to show us here in this passage how to exalt Jesus Christ above all in our vocations, in our workplaces, first as someone under others, and then second as someone who is over others. So first, what does it look like to exalt Jesus Christ in your vocation as someone who is under others? And the best summary I could give of what Paul teaches here is we ought to, as someone who is serving under others, serve as Christ served. Serve as Christ served. Notice Paul begins by addressing in verse 22, bondservants. Bondservants. I mentioned last week that that word is doulos in the Greek, and it describes someone who is bound to serve someone else completely. And that was the state of a slave or of a bondservant back then in that culture. They had no legal personhood. They were just viewed as private property, and therefore they could be used, abused, and killed for any reason. Interestingly enough, that is always the argument that is used when one human being seeks to dominate and abuse another. They always dehumanize them. They always dehumanize them. In Roman slavery, they're just property that belongs to me. I can do whatever I want. 
in ethnic slavery. They're just a lower form of life that belongs to me. I can do whatever I want. In abortion, they're just a lump of tissue that belongs to me. I can do whatever I want. When one person seeks to dominate and abuse another, they will always dehumanize them, lessen their worth, and deny them their personhood. That was the status of nearly two-thirds of the individuals in Colossae to whom Paul was writing. And now, many of these slaves and bondservants have come to know and trust in Jesus Christ, and they're wanting to know with the new life that they have in Jesus, how do I navigate now this culture in a way that honors and exalts my new and true Lord and Master, Jesus Christ? And surprisingly, the answer that we're going to see this morning, that God gives is not rebel against your earthly master because you have a master that is over you in heaven. The answer is actually obey your earthly master because you have a master that is over you in heaven. This is how you are to exalt Jesus Christ above all and magnify His worth in the midst of a twisted and perverse generation. It is by obeying fully and by working heartily under those who are over you. Now that's not to say that if you're in a bad work environment that you're supposed to roll over and play dead. No. First, if those who are over you are telling you to disobey and violate biblical principles, then just like Peter and the rest of apostles, as they said in Acts 5.29, you must obey God rather than men. And just like Paul encouraged even the believing slaves over in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 21, if you can gain your freedom, then avail yourself of that opportunity. So if you're in a bad work environment, know that God gives you permission to seek better placement elsewhere. But what he doesn't give you permission to do, and what Paul is addressing here, is to use that bad work environment as an excuse to be a bad worker. To be rebellious, disorderly, lazy, or grumbling. Because Scripture is clear, the path to exalting Jesus Christ in your vocation is by obeying fully and by working heartily under those who are over you. And so first, he encourages bondservants to obey fully. That's in verse 22 where he says, Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Now notice, when it comes to exalting Jesus Christ above all in the midst of a fallen, twisted work environment, Paul does not speak against the system here. Now obviously, Scripture as a whole speaks against the system of slavery, as we looked at last week at length, being wrong according to creation, Christ, and biblical commands. Even Paul himself speaks specifically against it in 1 Timothy 1.10, Philemon 16, and 1 Corinthians 7.21, not to mention laying down the theological framework for the abolition of slavery throughout most of his New Testament epistles, including this one. However, in these specific verses, Paul does not speak against the system, and there's an important reason why and an important lesson to be learned here. Paul doesn't speak against the system here in these verses because ultimately it doesn't matter what the system is. In a twisted and fallen world, work will always become twisted and fallen with it no matter what your economic system of labor looks like. And this bears itself out throughout history. A system of masters and bondservants, given long enough time, will become twisted and fallen. A system of tradesmen and indentured servitude will become twisted and fallen. A system of employers and employees will become twisted and fallen. This is the way of the world that we live in. Why is that the case? 
It is because the ultimate problem is not the system. Now, I need to be clear. Obviously, there are some systems that are better, that respect and protect God's original design for humanity and work more than others. That is without question. That's why Scripture speaks out against the system of slavery. But what's without question is that the ultimate problem in this world is not the world's systems. The ultimate problem is the world's sin. And the ultimate solution is always Jesus Christ. Christ proclaimed and Christ pictured both by our words and by our actions. The problem is always what? Sin. The solution is always what? Christ. A society will be changed when souls are transformed through faith in Christ Jesus. That is how a society is changed. Through Jesus Christ. And so the question is, how does a Christian who is working under others act in order to draw attention to Christ and build a bridge towards sharing the gospel with others? Because that's our purpose. Not to tear down systems and replace them with others, but to save souls. How do we navigate How do we live in order to build a bridge to sharing the gospel with others? The answer is by obeying fully those who are over you. Paul says, bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Now again, as long as it doesn't contradict God's commands, right? Even as the end of this very verse says, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Right? Don't do anything that displeases or dishonors him. So if your employee or if your employer tells you to fudge numbers on paperwork, to lie regarding government requirements or taxation, or even to spend so much time working that you're a derelict towards your wife and your family, then these are the moments when it is better to obey God rather than man. That's when it's time to find a different employer. But if they're not telling you to disobey God or violate biblical principles, then keep on obeying in everything. That is what Paul is saying. Christian employers are to be the or Christian employees are to be the best employees. Not doing the minimum amount of work expected of them, but doing the maximum amount of work expected of them. And just so we don't miss the message, Paul says next, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. And we all know people like this, don't we? Hopefully none of us are are them. <laughs> These are the people that can look busy when the boss is near, but then when the cat's away, the mouse does play. According to a recent business study, employees wasting time on non-work-related tasks costs American businesses around $134 billion annually in revenue. The top three activities done during this time when the boss wasn't looking, checking social media, sending personal emails and texts, and keeping up with sports interests. of employees admit to checking non-work-related websites while on the clock, and 40% of that group say that they spend over six hours a week doing so. I'll never forget something that happened while I was working a concreting in Boardman shortly after my wife and I got married. We were at the job site. We were building uh, a frame for a front, front deck, and the boss had to head out to get supplies for our next job. As soon as his truck turned the corner and left and was out of eyesight, everyone immediately sat down and stopped working. It was an hour before they started working again when they thought that the boss would soon be back. This is not to be the workplace testimony of a believer. 
We are not to be those who are costing our nation or our employers $2.5 billion on an average week. A Christian's work should not vary depending upon whether their boss is looking at that moment or not. No, we are to obey in everything, not by way of our eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. You know those people who pretend to love their work and get all energetic and creative when their supervisor is nearby and then they deflate like a balloon as soon as they leave? Who always work in a way that publicly looks the best when someone's watching, but personally requires the least amount of effort? That is insincere. That's hypocrisy. That's people-pleasing. And that's the opposite of what Paul is calling for here from believing employees. If we are to seek to exalt Jesus Christ above all, then we must live a markedly different life in the workplace. We are to be sincere, genuine, transparent workers of integrity who are obeying in everything because we revere and we honor the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to obey fully. And I want you to notice, I want you to realize this morning, that this is simply saying to us, work like Jesus worked. Work like Jesus worked. Jesus obeyed fully. In Luke 2.51, it tells us that when Jesus was under his parents' earthly authority, he was submissive to them in all things. And that would have included when Jesus worked under his dad, Joseph, in the family business. Not to mention how Jesus was fully obedient, even to the point of death, unto his heavenly Father on the cross. Jesus was fully obedient in the workplace, out of reverence to God, and he calls all of us who follow him to be fully obedient also. Obey fully just like Jesus. Second, if we seek to exalt Christ in our vocation as those who work under others, then we must not only obey fully in our workplace, we must also work heartily. Work heartily. That's in verse 23 where Paul writes, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. I love how broad that commandment is. He says, whatever you do. Guess who that includes? Every single person here this morning, whatever you do. So think about it this week. What are you going to be doing during this next week? You're going to be at home working there. You're going to be in the office working there. You're going to be in the classroom working there. Listen, whatever God has called you to do this week, we hear from God's word. We are to do it heartily. That is from your very soul, with all of your heart, your mind, and your emotions into it. Engaged. So when the rest of your comrades clock in on Monday morning looking with faces that look like they've been sucking lemons, you can walk in committed to put your very heart and soul into the tasks that you have for that day. Work heartily. And again, this is simply saying work like Jesus did. This is what we mean when we say a Christian work ethic. Jesus worked heartily. Matthew 8, 24 tells us that Jesus worked so hard that on one occasion he slept on a boat in the middle of a storm. <laughs> Mark 6, 43 tells us that on one occasion Jesus took his disciples across the lake because they were working so hard they were having a hard time finding to know when they could eat. Now that wasn't good and that's why Jesus was trying to take them away for a rest of some time. But guess what? Even after they got across that lake, Mark 6.34 tells us that Jesus saw the great crowd and his heart was moved with compassion. Jesus worked heartily. 
He worked heartily. He was committed to doing what God had called him to do with everything that he had in him, fully engaging his mind, his emotions, and his will to the task. We should work heartily because we're doing it, notice, for the Lord and not for men. See, when we work heartily, we've got to realize that we are not showing in that moment zeal for our work, right? We're not showing zeal for our work at there. Those co-workers working next to you know that you know that the job stinks at times, right? They get that. So when you're actually showing zeal in your work, you're showing that it's not zeal for the work. You're actually showing zeal for Christ, Because when a job or a task gets difficult or draining, which it always will in a fallen world, and we continue to work heartily through that opposition and devote our whole mind, emotions, and will to the task, we show the world that the secret to our service is not our circumstances. The secret to our service is Christ. It's our Savior. We do it for the Lord and not for men. And by the way, the only way that you can do your job for the Lord is if you realize that your job is from the Lord. Ephesians 1.10 says that we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Brothers and sisters, I want you to realize this morning that your job is one of those good works that God has called you to. In fact, it is one of the primary ways you have been called by God to fulfill the second greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. It is through your job. It is through your job. That's why I titled this Exalting Christ in Your Vocation. Because you have been called to this. Every career is a calling. Whether it be at home, in the office, or in the classroom. All work, no matter how menial in our eyes, counts for eternity if you do it for the glory of God. Your job is from the Lord, therefore Paul says do it for the Lord. The greatest need in our nation today is not necessarily more pastors. The need in our nation today is not necessarily more churches. The need in our nation today is not necessarily more evangelists. The great need in our nation and world today is more Christians being Christians wherever they are and whatever they're doing. That whatever they're doing, they're working heartily for the Lord and not for men. So if your task is in the workplace, whether it be taking phone calls, typing reports, or tightening screws, you're worshiping Christ in those moments, doing it heartily for the Lord and not for men. If your job is at home, whether it's mowing the lawn, vacuuming the floor, cleaning the dishes, or parenting the kids, worship Christ in it. Do it heartily for the Lord and not for men. If your work is at school, whether it be writing a report, taking a test, or studying a textbook, you are to worship the Lord in those tasks, doing it heartily for the Lord and not for men. Whatever your work might be, exalt Jesus Christ in it. That's what this world needs. So we are to exalt Christ in our vocations by obeying fully in accordance to the Lord and by working heartily no matter the circumstances. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're going to be able to do that, like even this Monday, <laughs> to be able to come in saying, I'm going to obey fully. I'm going to work heartily. You've got to have some good motivation to do that, right? And that's exactly what Paul provides for us in this last part of this section, in verses 24 through 25. The only way you're going to be able to obey fully and work heartily is if you stay motivated. Paul says this, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. <laughs> Just listen about it. Listen. Christian 
laborer, you will receive your reward. My boss isn't noticing. I've been overlooked over the last five you know, raises. What's going on? Believer, you will receive your reward. This one guy's being totally fake and he's getting the attention of my supervisor rather than me who puts in the work day in and day out. Believer, you will receive your reward. You might be underpaid and underworked. You might be underappreciated and overlooked. But keep on obeying fully and working heartily because you will receive your reward and you're not working for a reward that comes from an earthly master. You are working for a reward that comes from a heavenly master. Work heartily because you will receive your reward. And this is simply saying work like Christ did. Hebrews 12.2 says that even though Jesus Christ despised the shame, He nevertheless endured the cross. Why? For the joy that was set before Him. In other words, He was looking to the reward and so must we. Men may be cruel, but God is just and fair. You will receive your reward. What reward is that? It says the inheritance from the Lord. You need to have that as your motivation this week. Not your paycheck. Not recognition. The inheritance from the Lord. How great is that inheritance that you're working for as a believer? In the workplace, Paul calls it in 2 Corinthians 4.17, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 that no eye has seen nor ear heard, neither has the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Can you imagine being a slave in this moment, hearing those words, a slave who barely got paid anything, who was stuck in the most rottenest job imaginable with no end in sight, and yet he receives from the Lord a promise in this moment that there is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you. Your payday is coming, but it's not here on earth. Don't work for the treasures that perish, but work for the treasure that endures unto eternal life. God will give you the reward of your inheritance. Keep on obeying fully. Keep on working heartily because God is fair. He will give you the reward of your inheritance because notice, who are you serving? You're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I don't feel like working because my boss is a real pill. Hopefully none of the church staff are saying that right now. <laughs> oh, right? I don't feel like doing it. Who are you serving? You're not serving them. You're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, have you noticed how the constant focus is always back where? To Jesus Christ. Verse 22, we are called as Christian employees to do what? To fear the Lord. He says in verse 23 that we are to work heartily for who? The Lord. Verse 24 says that we are to remember that we are going to be rewarded by whom? The Lord. No matter what our task is for the day or for the hour, whether it be at the office, the classroom, the home, or the church, listen, you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. The creator, the sustainer, and the ruler of all things. What does he deserve? This is extraordinary because you know what this means? It means that all of us as believers are in full-time ministry, whether you realize it or not. Who are you serving, believer? I want to hear it. The Lord Jesus Christ. Think of that. All of us are in full-time ministry. I've done many jobs in my life. I've been a farmhand scooping manure and harvesting hay. 
I've been a lifeguard scrubbing pool tiles on my hands and knees and rescuing toddlers from the deep end and old ladies who have fallen flat on their faces under their pool noodles. I have been a student beating my head against a secular psychology class and also a religious Koine Greek class. I have been an IT call center technician instructing people over the phone how to push a power button on a computer and how to use a keyboard. I've been a cementer picking up cement slabs and pushing wheelbars of cement I am sure had to have been twice my body weight. And I've been a Mac specialist selling Apple devices, teaching user classes, and now I've been a pastor, elder, and a overseer praying and teaching God's flock for almost 10 years now. But listen, this job I'm doing now is no more holy or important in the purposes of God than any of the others. Believer, we are all in full-time ministry. Engaged in the service of the King. You are on the King's business no matter what you are doing. The question is, are you being faithful to your most holy calling? Are you obeying fully, fearing the Lord? Are you working heartily for the Lord? And are you staying motivated, serving the Lord? God has called you to worship Jesus Christ above all else in the field and ministry where He has put you. So who are you worshiping, revering, and serving? Yourself, your boss, or the Lord Jesus Christ? The only one worthy of worship and praise. So focus on Christ. Obey fully, work heartily, stay motivated, because you fear, serve, and you are focused on Jesus. And if you do, you'll receive the reward. But there might be some here this morning that need a negative motivation, and Paul gives that too. Look at verse 25. Not only reward, but a retribution. Verse 25 says, For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. In other words, if you're sitting there thinking, you know what, I'm going to ignore everything that Paul just gave, and I'm going to ignore all the positive motivations, well, that's what this verse is written for. God shows no partiality. Don't think that simply because you are a Christian that you don't have to obey everything that your earthly authorities biblically and lawfully ask of you. Don't think that because you're a Christian, you can somehow be lazy in your work ethic by fudging your hours, by taking extended breaks, or by misusing other people's times and resources. No. There are divine consequences for how a believer chooses to work, positive and negative. Therefore, obey fully, work heartily, stay motivated, keep serving like Christ for Christ. This is how to exalt Christ in your vocation as someone under others. Obey fully, work heartily, stay motivated, serve like Christ served. Finally, let's consider this morning in closing God's instructions on how to exalt Christ as someone over others. And if the before, serving under others, was serve as Christ served, then how are we to serve as someone over others? Lead as Christ leads. Lead as Christ leads. And this will go a lot quicker because Paul doesn't give multiple commands here, interestingly enough. No, he goes right to the heart of the matter. And he gives one commandment that directly addresses the major issue with those who are over others. He shows us that the way that we are to exalt Jesus Christ in our vocation as someone over others is to treat others fairly. He says, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven following up after verse 25 that's pretty scary treat others fairly we all know the golden rule matthew seven twelve says do to others as you would have them do to you 
Here, Paul wants us to consider do to others as you would have the Lord do to you. For you also have a master in heaven. Would you want Jesus to treat you the way that you treat those who are under you? Employers? Christ never abuses you. He never demeans you. He never threatens you. He's never harsh with you. Jesus is ever and always showing you compassion and kindness, meekness and humility, patience, forbearance, and forgiveness. He always stands by His Word, is faithful to provide, faithful to protect, and faithful to do what is always best for you. That is how Christ leads you. That is how Christ treats you. Therefore, treat those under you justly and fairly, just as Christ treats you as well. Use your authority to serve and care for people with the very love of Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but this is your purpose as an employer, or a purpose as a supervisor, or a purpose as a boss. Okay, here it is. You want to know what you're to be about? As a Christian who has been put over others, you are called here by God to use stuff to love people, not to use people because you love stuff. That's your purpose. Lead as Christ leads. Lead as Christ, your master in heaven, leads you. That is the foundation, by the way, to eliminating every and all workplace abuses from the time of Rome on into today. Keep your focus ever and always where it ought to be. Whether you are someone under others or someone over others, your focus is always be on Christ above all. Serve like Christ and lead like Christ. This is how to exalt Christ in your vocation. Whether you be under others or over others. By focusing supremely on Christ. Whether you be a master or servants, employers or employees, white-collar workers or blue-collar workers, chief executive officers or customer service representatives, teachers of a subject or students of a subject, whether you be parents, children, husbands, wives, ministry leaders, or ministry volunteers, focus on Christ. Because it doesn't matter what position you're in. Guess who's over that position? Christ above all. He is preeminent. He is your head, your master, and your Lord. So set your mind on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and worship Christ in the calling and in the ministry that He has called you to this week. By obeying fully, working heartily, staying motivated, and treating others fairly. Serve like Christ and lead like Christ for the glory of God of Christ. For this you have been called. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So this is the word of God from Colossians 3:22 through chapter 4 verse 1, which I now commit to your further study and your faithful obedience until our true Lord and Master returns for us. May we be found faithful in following his commands. To that end, let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for reminding us of what it means to live for Christ in the midst of this world. Father, as our co-workers this week around us are going to be focused on their circumstances, are going to be focused on their supervisors, help us, Father, to be focused on our Savior. Help us to have a markedly different work mindset. Help us to obey fully. Help us to work heartily. Help us to stay motivated because we recognize we are serving the Lord Jesus. 
And may our co-workers see how we're living our lives on a day-to-day basis and recognize, wow, there is something different about that person. How can they have zeal? How can they have that energy? How can they have that joy in the midst of the circumstance? And may we be equipped in those moments to point to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Master, who sets all men free spiritually when they trust in Him. Father, may we show that this week, the freedom found in Christ by how we work at home, in the office, and in the classroom for Your honor and for Your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.